Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. There comes a time in everyone's life when talk is cheap and it's time to show up to get back to the top and build a legacy. If we grind together, we can take it back. Our team and our city. This is why we play. This is who we do it for. Take it back. For tickets, go to Astros.com slash tickets or call 1-877-9-ASTROS. Greetings from Minute Maid Park, where today the Houston Astros play the third game of a four-game series against the Seattle Mariners. Astros have won the first two games of this series, including a 7-4 win over Seattle yesterday. Alex Bregman, two hits, including a double, drove in a run. Jose Altuve, two for four. He scored twice as the Astros have won 14 of their last 18. Mariners have dropped four in a row and nine of their last 11. Astros 92 and 50, first in the AL West, nine and a half games ahead of Oakland, and 34 games ahead of the Mariners, who are last in the West with a record of 58 and 84. It's time for today's pitching matchup, brought to you by Houston Methodist, the official healthcare provider for the Houston Astros. Houston Methodist leading medicine. Justin Verlander on the mound for the Astros today, and his last start Sunday in Toronto through his third career no hitter, only allowed one base runner walking Kevin Biggio with one out in the first inning, striking out 14 and, and walking only one in that ball game. An outstanding performance. Yeah, where do you go from there? Yeah, I mean, where do you go from there? And you're playing the Seattle Mariner team with. With a couple of guys out of the lineup, they traded a couple. And where does your mind lead you when you see Verlander follow up that no-hitter? And, of course, it's to do it again, right? Right. You start thinking about it, and who knows? There is one time after a second no-hitter where he's able to go five and two-thirds no-hit innings against the Kansas City Royals. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes a bid. Not to throw a no-hitter, of course. It's, uh, a lot of things go into that, but at least go out there and dominate Seattle the same way that he did Toronto. Meanwhile, you say Kikuchi, left-hander, getting the ball for the Mariners. A lot of fanfare when the Mariners were able to sign Kikuchi this offseason coming over from Japan, but he struggled for the most part this year, a 5.36 earned run average. Yeah, I think they wanted to leave him alone for a little while because his style is so ingrained, in, uh, but now he's starting to change some things. So he, he kind of came to the Mariners and said, what can I do? What can I do to get better? Uh, he's got the second highest uh, ERA in the American League among the qualifiers. So he said, what do I do? And they said, well, let's take out that little hesitation move that you have in your mechanics. See if we can iron some things out and get you into a little better place. And they see some progress in his last four games. Keys to the game brought to you by Honda. Visit your local Greater Houston Honda dealers for great deals in all models. Official sponsor of the Houston Astros. And 
This series has been all about the, the first innings, uh, the explosive first inning for the Mariners in the first game of this series on Thursday. Seattle scored two runs in the top of the first inning yesterday. I thought it was a big key for the Astros to respond right away after that. But, hey, how about a first inning without allowing the Mariners to score? That would be nice. Well, you get the man on the mound to do it. <laughs> and Justin Verlander will hopefully take care of that. And uh, what the Mariners have done, not, not just the base hits and things like that, they've been haven't extended at bats. They've fallen off a lot of pitches and making them really work the Astros pitchers in the first inning. So, uh, you know, just go at them. That's what Verlander does best. He just powers it right down the middle of the plate. He dares you uh, to, to beat him to that spot, and usually he wins out. Let's take a look around Major League Baseball as teams race for the pennant brought to you by Apache, Apache Corp, exploring what's possible. Well, it's a dogfight in the National League in particular. The Cubs currently leading for that second wild card spot in the National League. They do have a, a three-and-a-half game lead over the Diamondbacks coming into play today, but they got some pretty devastating news. Javi Baez, their talented infielder who hasn't played over the last week, turns out he has a hairline fracture in his thumb, suffered that injury a week ago sliding into a base. And uh, if they have to miss him for a significant uh, amount of time, obviously, that's a huge blow for, for the Cubs. He's their best player. Javier Baez, they can't afford to lose Javier Baez and expect, even if they do reach the playoffs, to go very far. He's that important. And don't look now, Arizona Diamondbacks, you said three and a half behind yep. the Cubs. They've won 10 out of 11 to, to kind of get into that race. So don't count them out just yet, especially with Baez out of the lineup for Chicago. And Diamondbacks playing really good baseball right now. Coming up next, we'll go into the coach's corner and hear from Don Kelly, Astros first base coach, who was on the Detroit Tigers when Verlander threw his second no-hitter, also in Toronto. And up next, Steve Sparks will chat with Jeff Blum, Astros broadcaster, but now this from your local station. Baseball season is back, and if you're at Minute Maid Park, head on over to the new Love Street Bar behind Home Plate for a wide selection of Carbach beers, including Love Street Blonde, Hopadillo IPA, and the Astros' very own Crawford Bach. Or visit us sometime at the brewery, where we're open seven days a week. Learn more at carbachbrewing.com or find us on social media at Carbach Brewing. Welcome back. Robert Ford joined by Don Kelly, Astros first base coach. And uh, I don't know how many people were around for both of Justin Verlander's uh, no-hitters in Toronto in his career, two of his three in Toronto, including the most recent one on Sunday. But I know you definitely were because you were playing for the Tigers. You were a teammate with Verlander when he threw the no-hitter in 2011 and, of course, coaching, for, coaching first base for the Astros for this last one. What do you remember about the, the one in 2011? I know you didn't play in the game, but what, what do you remember about just kind of the feeling going at the beginning of that game and kind of the mood in the dugout? You know, it was, it was eerily similar. I mean, there weren't too many balls that were, you know, guys making diving catches right. or whatever. I remember Johnny Peralta made a heck of a play on a ball. There's a ball that I, I believe was hit off of Justin that he recovered and threw a guy out that I think Maggie might have been at first and picked it. But just like the other day, I mean, there was a one hard hit ball at Toro at third and the right. one to Diaz at first that he knocked down and threw out. But it was, you know, both of them were really dominant. I mean, the other day in the first inning, Justin was kind of spraying it around a little mm -hmm. bit and really didn't have his stuff. But once he gets into that rhythm, you know, and, and I was – joking with him after you know I, I said to him I've, I've seen this before congratulations <laughs> yeah. man like it was it was eerily similar especially there he tried to go to the slider at the end against Bichette just like he got Rajai out on mm -hmm. and and Bichette didn't bite and then he was able to come back and it's just so impressive what he's able to do 
late in games like that to at his age and to be able to throw I don't know what pitch it was but 100 right around 120 pitches 97 miles an hour was his hardest throw he just is able to use his legs and his foundation and really has still has that extra gear to get to I mean this is a guy you were a teammate with in the minor leagues at double a when you were both coming up through the Tiger system, and here he is not only still pitching, but pitching at a pretty high level. There's no way anybody could have foreseen this back when you guys were teammates for the Erie Seawolves. Uh, you know what's funny is I always joke with Justin. We laugh about it. His first start in A, he came up, and, you know, he's a first-rounder coming up, and everybody's right. like, oh, we're, he's getting to A first year out, first year in pro ball, and, like, he's going to find out what A is all about. Well, strikes out the first six. within <laughs> By the third inning, they had turned the radar gun off in right field because he was hitting double zero and 0-0-1 every single pitch and their guys had no chance when they got up there so I mean he's always had the stuff it's been impressive to see how he's been able to refine that stuff and and be able to use it and pitch and pitch effectively in different quadrants use his curveball I mean he's really done a heck of a job as he's gotten older learning how to use his stuff to his advantage obviously how superstitious are you and does the level heighten the level of superstition heighten when Verlander's working on a, a no-hitter or when you're in a situation like that? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really not that superstitious, but it's one of those things, like, you don't talk about. Right. You know, when, when you're going through it, you just keep on grinding it out. You don't you don't talk about it. And it was funny, when my boys were watching the game uh-huh. last, last Sunday, and my oldest went to say something about my wife, and they were with some people. They're like, hey, we, we, we know what you're talking about, but, you know, like, you're brought up at a young age, like, hey, we see what you see, but, you know, let's just keep getting after it and uh, we'll see what happens in the end. And obviously it was awesome what happened. Now, I thought there were some similarities to Verlander's game on Sunday to a game you were on the wrong side of when Henderson Alvarez, I believe it was the last day of the season, Marlins-Tigers, Marlins were at home, and Henderson Alvarez was nothing-nothing going into the ninth inning. Same thing with the Verlander no-hitter, this most recent one. Uh, and got the big home run from Abraham Toro in the ninth. And the case of the Marlins, it was a wild pitch. You were playing in that game for Detroit, a wild pitch by the Tigers in the bottom of the ninth uh, to score the only run in that ball game, and, and Alvarez had the, the nine-inning no-hitter. But it's that's the thing with a game like that is when it's 0-0, it's not just like you're thinking about the no-hitter. You're, you're trying to figure out how to win the game, right? Certainly are. And the other day with Toro, um, you know, to come up in that situation, two outs, and to be able to – juice one like that that was that was awesome I can't imagine you know I would like to know what JV's emotions were in that moment you know going into it zero zero two outs like come on like trying to scratch one across because I mean he's probably only going the ninth there right you know with his pitch count up so high and um, we we don't know but thankfully we don't have to find out because Toro juiced it and yeah uh, Henderson man what a pitcher it's unfortunate he got hurt but he really pitched a great game against us that year in Miami at the end of the season do you remember kind of what was going through your mind when? Because I mean, you lose the game, and then it's like, oh wait, we lost the game. Oh, and we just got no hit. I mean, it's kind of weird. It, it was weird, and we had clinched the division going into that series, and we go right. in, and it was the first time like Perry Hill was the infield guy, and he he's been shifting, especially with his shortstop up the middle. And I remember I hit a ball up the middle that usually I thought would have been a base hit, but right. uh, Hetcheveria was standing right there for the out and it was um you know you go up in those situations and you know we're going into the playoffs but we just got no hit right. you know where um it, it leaves a sour taste in your mouth but uh you know we were able to pull through it and get to the alcs that year 
Don Kelly, Astros first base coach. Hey, thanks for joining us. And, uh, you know, you, Verlander, in Toronto next year, well, that's something to, something to keep an eye on again. Let's go for number three for him <laughs> and uh, four overall. All right, we'll be back with more of Astro Launch right after this. Bring the family and friends out to Astros games on Tuesdays for baseball and hot dogs. Have as many as you can handle. They're only a dollar. Come take it back with the Astros. You're at a baseball game. Baseball game, you hit a hot dog. Always just a buck every Tuesday home game. Dollar Dogs, presented by Nolan Ryan B. Get your tickets now at astros.com slash dollar dogs. Welcome back to Astro Launch. This is Steve Sparks, and I'm with Jeff Blum, of course, the color analyst for the TV broadcast uh, with the Astros. Blummer, now you start looking at this team, 92 wins, September 7th, uh, coming into this. Um, any concerns right now going into the uh, last 20 games of the season? Absolutely none whatsoever, and I think Texas is going to win. <laughs> <laughs> All right, in three, two, one. <laughs> Welcome back to Astro Launch. This is Steve Sparks. I'm with Jeff Blum, the, the color analyst on the TV broadcast before uh, the third game of this series. And you got a little bit of concerns, I would imagine, Blummer with Guriel going out with a hamstring yesterday. Still not sure where Carlos Correa is at. Where do you stand on that? Um, I'm, a, I'm curious. I think Yuli's going to be fine. I think the way he came out of the game and just watching some of the replays, the way he lunged at the bag kind of told me that maybe he just overextended himself a little bit and it might be an opportunity for him to take a couple days off, especially with Seattle in, in town. You know, nothing against them. They're going out there and playing as hard as they can. But if you're going to take some days off, you want to take them off against some of the lower-tier teams, and that's what Seattle is. Uh, and you do have enough depth here to be able to get away with it. Thankfully, Diaz is healthy to be, be able to play some first. Toro's been doing a great job at third base, and, of course, Bregman and Altuve up the middle are doing fine. It's the bat you worry about. Do they have enough depth as far as offense is concerned to yeah, make up for a guy? Looks lineup looks a lot different. Yeah. You know, there's guys protecting Jordan Alvarez, and that's one of those guys in Yuli, so it might cha- alter how they set up that lineup to protect Jordan and get him some more pitches. Correa, I, I, to be honest, I haven't heard much. I don't know what's going on there, but it would be nice if he can get healthy and get back in this lineup because you and I both know that what he does defensively and offensive, offensively is uh, – a tremendous help to this ball club. It is, and there's only 20 games left. And to be honest, I'm, I'm surprised that Correa hasn't taken batting practice on the field. I thought he would be further along. I didn't think it was this serious. What about you? No, I'm with you in that because you know as well as I do. I mean, if you're getting three at-bats a game and he plays the next 20 games, it's only 60 at-bats. It's basically you know, a spring training. You would like him to have as many at-bats as he can going into the postseason. Um, it doesn't mean that he's not a unique enough talent to be able to go out there and and have some good ball games. But I think just putting torque on that back, playing some defense, understanding where the back is at, and not risking, you know, having him hurt himself in the playoffs, I think is where the issue is. And I'm with you, you know, having not heard anything, having not seen him, I think he might be taking ground balls today. But uh, there's slow playing and then there's concern. And yeah. I think we're bordering on the concern part. Where, what's the priority right now? Is it to be as healthy as you can getting into the playoffs, or is it to have the best record in the American League? You know what? We've talked about that a little bit as far as the best record. Obviously, it would be nice down the stretch to be able to, be able to play as many home games as you can. But at the same time, the wild card teams are pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the Twins losing Pineda is interesting because I think that makes the Twins a little more beatable. So if you're that second spot, you end up playing the Minnesota Twins in that first round, which might help you get into the championship series. But ultimately, you play to be the best team, and I think that's what the Astros are going to go out and try and do is win win everything outright throughout the course of the playoffs. What were you guys thinking in 
initially when you saw George Springer bang into the wall and uh, his fellow outfielders were calling the trainers out? Fear. Yeah. It was absolute fear. It, you know, we, we always talk about how all these guys that play the outfield, Jake Marizic and George Springer, Josh Rick, these guys are fearless. Uh-huh. Uh, they throw their bodies around to protect their pitchers' ERAs and some of these wins. But when he came down, felt fell awkwardly and then hit his head. My first thought was, hopefully it's not a spine injury because of the way he hit. And then the concussion protocol kicks in, so that's only seven days. But uh, it's what George is awesome offensively and defensively. I worry about what he brings in the dugout, what he brings in the clubhouse. Because you've been watching these games with me where he's not playing. He still has an impact on this ball club, even though he's not in the lineup. You know, most notably with what's happening with Josh Reddick. I feel like he's willing Josh Reddick to be a better ball player. And that's where I think the true impact of George Springer is on these guys emotionally. You know what I think about a lot, too, with George is the opposing pitcher. Because I was a pitcher. And just knowing, trying to get into a game and having the threat of somebody who can take you 500 feet uh, right out of the gate. uh, You miss a little bit of that at at the top end. But, I mean, thank goodness he's going to be okay in a couple of days. Yeah, thank goodness he's going to be back. He will be back and ready to go. And I agree with you in the sense that it is—it's an immediate threat. And it's—you know—it's one thing Altuve is a threat also when he gets in there, but it's a different kind of threat. Maybe he pokes one the other way. Maybe he does sneak one into the Crawford box. But the second George gets in the box, the stadium is on alert because they know with one pitch he's able to hit one, like you said, 500 yeah. feet. You know what that does to a ball club? That's brutal. It ignites the—it ignites your ball club's dugout. But at the same time, like you're talking about, if you just gave up a 500-foot home run, you're like. Damn. Then you start dancing, man. Then you get very timid. And what happens when you start dancing with this lineup? Yeah. All of a sudden, you're dancing. you got two guys on, and Jordan's up. And right. There's another guy that has the ability to hit one 500 feet. So you start dancing, that's when you start getting in trouble. But it's easy to fall behind against this ball club because George is so electric at the top. Last thing with Jeff Blum. Jeff, uh, you and I have been talking a lot in the last couple of weeks about uh, the three teams fighting for the AL wild card. It's between the Tampa Bay Rays, the Oakland A's, who we know very well, and the uh, who am I missing? And the uh, Tampa, Oakland, and Cleveland, Cleveland. Yeah. in Cleveland. So you uh, counted them out. I did count them out. <laughs> so that's that's the clue. Is I feel like Cleveland's on the outside looking in. What about you? I feel the same way, especially after I talked to you, because initially I thought it was going to be Tampa Bay, and the reason I thought that is because of the offense. I'm not too enamored with what the offense can do for the Tampa Bay Rays. I feel like if you can pitch to the Tampa Bay Rays, you're going to hold them scoreless. Yeah. It's just a matter of time when your offense is able to beat their pitching, because their pitching is very good, and it's going to keep them in ball games. But in seeing and talking to you, reminding me about Jose Ramirez going on the shelf, uh, Kluber, he's trying to fight his way back, but, like it. but it doesn't look like he's going to come back. Yeah. It depends on what report you read. They say yes, they say no, but he's not a guarantee. Right. And then it's great to have the addition of Carrasco because of the story, but he's in the bullpen. So you're going to have limited opportunities with him, and I'm just not sure that they have enough to uh, to push through and get that wild card. So I feel like you do that it's probably going to be Tampa and Oakland. Yep. All right, that's Blummer. Thanks for catching up, buddy. Always good talking to you, Sparky. Big drives, dramatic putts, and great fun with friends. Tickets for the 2019 Houston Open are on sale now. Ticket options for this year's event held at the Golf Club of Houston on October 7th through 13th include daily general admission tickets, week-long tickets, and premium ticket packages. Make your plans now to take part in one of the PGA Tour's premier events. Visit HoustonOpenGolf.com to find tickets and all the info on this year's event. Come for the golf. Stay for the party. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 